Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. The resurrection of your church. This is installment number four of this series, and we're going to look at the history of past breakthroughs and the state of Christianity today. In the last installment in the series, number three, we looked at the resurrection of your church in the context of reviewing the amazing phenomenon of what we call holy discontent or spiritual restlessness. It is truly a new phenomenon, a spiritual phenomenon in our churches. We also focused on the big picture of Christianity and the elements of breakthrough we can expect at a period when we recognize the 500th birthday of the Reformation. Something new is on the horizon. Will your church be in or out? In this installment, we want to focus on your church, but we will look at the historical change that has taken place before in Christianity as we look at the history of the faith. So, 500 years ago, the Protestant Reformation occurred. History reflects that before the Reformation, there was a lot of moral corruption in the church, in churches, in Christianity. There was major drift in the Roman Catholic Church. At one point, there were three people claiming to be Pope. Total disruption and division. There was a growing and a tremendous emphasis on money, riches, that had to do with Christianity. Politics was dominant and making disciples was all about having a relationship with the institutional church, the Catholic Church, the Church of Rome. How to get saved? Belong to the Roman Catholic Church. This was historically a reality at that time in history. It did not have to do with a relationship with Christ. Now these are all sweeping generalizations there were many exceptions, of course. There were many biblical Christians here and there. There were some calling for Reformation long before Martin Luther. But then Martin Luther appeared on the scene, and he, of course, was not the only reformer. There were many, many that followed, many that were influenced by Luther, and some that just came to their own conclusions from the same scripture, the same Bible. And the Christian movement took on new life. And that Reformation began on October 31st, 1517. Now let's jump to 500 years before the time of the Reformation. Let's look at the Christian movement and see what was going on. The church 500 years before was involved in a tremendous split. It was cultural and it was theological. The Roman Catholic Church grew not only in the West, but in the eastern part of the then-known world. And by the year 1054, there was a great division, a great schism, and the two divergent cultures of east and west divided. So basically, Christianity was divided. And so what happened was they went their separate ways. And still today, we have the Greek or Eastern Orthodox Church, which was founded at that time, and then there was the West, or Roman Catholic Church. The issues were partly to do with language. The Roman Catholic Church insisted that everything be done in Latin. And the Eastern Orthodox Church 
they saw Latin as a different culture and they spoke Greek, so they chose Greek. But there was also some theological and cultural differences beyond that. And it grew to a breaking point. And so now, at this point in history, there was a pope in Rome and a patriarch in Constantinople. Constantinople was the headquarters of the Greek Orthodox Church, and Rome, of course, was the headquarters of the Catholic Church. So that's what was going on then. If you go back 500 years from then, 500 years before the Great Schism, in about the 6th century, Pope Gregory, sometimes called Gregory the Great, led a movement to stabilize a revolution because a revolution was occurring throughout the Roman Catholic Church world. And what he did is he developed a leadership group of political and ecclesiastical cohesion. And he built on the accomplishments of a predecessor by the name of St. Benedict. So Gregory developed what we call monastics or monasticism. And the monastic orders were put in place and they were there to protect the regions of the Roman Catholic Church because it was getting bigger than anybody could handle. And there was a lot of pressure to destabilize the Christian movement. And so this development of monasticism, these monastic orders that were dotted across the countryside would stabilize the Christian movement for the next five centuries. But probably in the year about that 500 mark, the most important part of that 500 year correction of the Christian movement was the Council of Chalcedon, where the church came together, all the church leaders and theologians and all that, came together to determine what was correct doctrine. And a special emphasis was put on who is Jesus exactly? God, man, both, neither, whatever. And the Council of Chalcedon determined what today Christians call the doctrine or the teaching of the incarnation. Jesus was and is truly God slash man, a person in two natures. They basically went from polarized thinking, either has to be one or the other, to a both and situation. And scripture supported what they decided. And that really helped the church flourish because all the debates about who in the world or what in the world was Jesus were set to rest. And that peace on that issue allowed the church to basically experience a reformation in the year 500. 500 years before that, Pentecost. And we know all about that. You can read about it in your New Testament. Well, as we look at history in this short summary, we need to go back, yes, we need to go back to the future because we are just now somewhere at the front end of a 500-year turning point that has occurred every 500 years since Pentecost. We are in a time when the church has lost influence, is considered by many people as irrelevant. Secularism is rampant. The church and its teaching is considered by many as old-fashioned, out of date, not appropriate, has nothing to say for my life. And so many of our people who have no Christian background, have no Christian memory, know no time when they were a Christian, not even as a child, that number that is growing in secularization, have no use for the Christian church. 
Beyond all that, Islam is knocking at the door. I heard recently that for every two Muslims in Germany that become Christians, there are 20 Christians that become Muslims. If that doesn't get your attention, then I can't help you. And until you change, God can't help you. And so here we are with many challenges, and yet there's no question God is on the move. Christianity is growing throughout much of Africa, south of the Sahara Desert. And up in the north, Ethiopia is quickly becoming substantially Christian. Many parts of South America show rapid growth of Christianity through the Pentecostal churches. The underground church in China, in spite of the government that outlaws worship and faith, the Chinese church is growing underground. That means they worship in hidden places. They're not too visible. The Christians in India are expanding in spite of increased persecution, and it's brutal. There are new signs of life in Christianity in England, where several years ago, they declared that the Church of England would be closed. I have seen there in England great cathedrals that have been boarded up for over a decade. They're too big and too beautiful to tear down. They just board them up. The walls are like four feet thick. They were built to be there until Jesus comes back. But they didn't have any people, and they couldn't get any pastors. And so many of these churches were boarded up, and now they have been opened. They've torn out the old pews. They don't use the front. The organ is useless. They put in a band. They put in screens. They preach from the center of the sanctuary, and people sit on folding chairs. And the church is alive again. If you could just go through that motion. I love it. We take people every year to England. It's our 18th trip coming up. We take a group of Americans, some Canadians, and we just have made connections with leaders there who are in this new movement. And everybody who comes back to North America from that says, I will never be the same. I see where the old can become new again. And somehow I can talk about it, write about it, preach about it all day long, and people don't get it. One visit to an afternoon worship with wall-to-wall young people on fire for Jesus in an old musty cathedral that was closed for years. They'll never forget it. I can never forget it. It is absolutely an amazing experience. So yes, God is about to move in America. We usually run about 22 to 24 years behind the spiritual cycle of England, which means we're already there. So we have the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. We have the timing of the cycle that we follow spiritually behind England. If you can't get excited about that, it can't happen. And so in the next installment, we're gonna talk about major roadblocks to breakthrough because you got to know what has to go and we'll deal with that in our next installment. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Also, if you'd like to learn more about this topic, please check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, in stores on September 12, 2017.